Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. At our church, we have people repeat a prayer who want to place their faith in Christ. Jesus did all the hard part. He did everything but pray your prayer. That sinner's prayer has sent more people to hell than anything on the face of the earth. If you want to find Christ, he's as close as a prayer. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me right now. Just say these words with me. You can say those words every day for the rest of your life and die and be separated from God. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. The scripture does not say that Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel and said that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, who would like to ask me into their hearts? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Howdy, y'all. This is Wretched Radio. My name is Todd, your thoroughly southern host. <laughs> All it takes is one country music concert. <laughs> it's like it's like your initiation. <laughs> this is re- Wait a second. Do you smell that? I smell Jimmy, I it's coming from your office. From my office. Oh, the smell of jealousy. I can just <laughs> Feel it wafting into my studio here. Yeah. Got to see Marty Stewart, dude. Yeah, yeah, you did. It was excellent. It was absolutely excellent. He even sang a couple of gospel songs, which I thought was a treat. Wasn't all that familiar with his music. I certainly know the name. Remember when he was big time on the radio. Went to see him in a little place called Franklin, North Carolina. Been there? It's a lovely part of the globe. And maybe, just maybe, a reminder to us all. To take a walk. That's right. To take a walk. Don't know if you're a fan of C.S. Lewis or not. Regardless, he, you have to admit, wrote things that were quite brilliant. He had a way to turn a phrase to make it memorable. Liar, lunatic, lord. That came from his pen. And he was a big fan of walking. When he wanted to do deep thinking, he would go out into the country and just stroll, not just getting in a couple of steps, but he would be gone long periods of time, perhaps heeding the words, "Uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, if you're a minister who's experiencing what he dubbed fainting fits, he said the solution is you need to go to a Marty Stewart concert. Now, wait a second. That's not right. That, that's that's what I did. He said, you need to go for a walk, Pastor. Get out into God's creation. Now, we need to remember that the architecture and the buildings that we see, infrastructure, etc., we can still thank God for those things because that was human hands using their thinking skills given to us by God to subdue the planet. And so we can still appreciate God even when we're staring at a skyscraper, but there is just something special about being out in the countryside. We were in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm telling you, not only was it beautiful, those roads are amazingly safe. Okay, one of those statements was accurate. Wow, the roads up there and the... You could always tell the people who live there because you're driving up a mountain and it's all meandering and they just don't want to wait anymore. Apparently, you decide after you live on a mountain for a long time, I really am not going to exercise caution. 
I'm just going to take my foot off the gas, no braking, and just start burning down those roads. Lickety split. Zoink Scoob bought the, the bad roads aside. It was magnificent. Staring at God's painting. That's his, that's his direct creative work. So maybe, just maybe, if you haven't taken a walk lately, it would be the time. And you could go walk to a Marty Stewart concert. Guitar solo. Jimmy, do you know how many guitar solos there were? 74. <laughs> you counted with me. They were amazing, though, honestly. <laughs> also, while I was in North Carolina, went to see a movie. Jimmy, do you want to know what movie I got to see? What movie did you get to see? Well, clearly you're not a prophet. It's called the Harbinger. New, new. It's called Harbinger. <laughs> okay, I didn't go see it. <laughs> it's previewing May 12th and May 19th. So an already an upcoming here based on. Jonathan Kahn. Now, you might be inclined to think that his name should be spelled C-O-N. But he adds an H to it. C-H-C-A-H-N. He's the fellow who has written a very popular series of books titled The Harbinger. This was a book that got the attention of a lot of folks who love to use their Bible as a guide to current events. We read Revelation. We go back to the book of Dan. We go anywhere where we can find something that kind of resembles what's going on here and say, aha, this is that. And as I was reading an interview with Mr. Khan, I was struck by how he so easily uses the Bible to turn it into a playbook for watching the news. The Harbinger, it's based on the 2012 book, The Harbinger, the ancient mystery that holds the secret of America's future. In other words, if you read your Bible right, we can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Comparing, see what's wrong with this eschatology, comparing the United States to ancient Israel before its destruction. Okay, well, we ain't Israel. Israel is Israel. That time, that place. We see God working directly. He did it through judges. He did it through prophets. He did it through kings. Ruling a nation. And that's the only one called Israel. America isn't Israel. Nevertheless, the Messianic rabbi who leads Beth Israel at the Jerusalem Center. So, big fan of Israel, Mr. Khan. It's outside of New York and New Jersey. He noted, Jimmy, let's see if you can be a prophet for a moment, shall we? Okay, yes. All right. So here's, here's, here's what Mr. Khan noted. Boston is an especially significant place in the history of the United States. That's where English Puritan lawyer and preacher John Winthrop declared in 1630 that the U.S. should be a shining city on a hill. Now, can you tell me why that is so significant? Boston, America, Israel. Can you put all this together? Uh, No. That's why you need Mr. Harbinger to tell you. The land upon which Winthrop uttered those famous words is now the site of Boston's Logan International Airport. 
which was the starting place of American Airlines Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175, both of which were hijacked and flown into the World Trade Center towers in New York City on September 11. It all makes sense now. See how that all works together? It's utterly nonsensical. It's just nonsensical. Taking history, taking news articles, smashing it into the Bible. Listen to it scream. Mr. Khan maintains that Winthrop was alluding to Moses, warning the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the ends of the earth. Get ready. Like an eagle swooping down a nation whose language you will not understand. What did he do? He took that verse written to Israel as part of his covenantal threatenings, the curses, part of the blessing curses covenant of the Mosaic covenant. And he puts America squarely into it because the first 9-11 plane happened to have an image of a downward swooping eagle on the side of the aircraft. By the way, if you're wondering why we would spend any time on this, I think he sold a million books. That's why. There, there's people that gobble this stuff up. And by the way, uh, it's probably the same people that a lot of liberals are starting to get very anxious about as they see an awful lot of Mm, well, we'll just we'll just call it, and I, I've got no problem with wagging the flag, waving the flag, but they're looking at a large group of even that proclaimed evangelicals, and they're saying um, these people are bad for our country. These people are dangerous. They want some sort of theonomy imposed on the country. I think it's probably coming out of these same circles. Just a few days, this is a quote, just a few days before 9-11, all around New York City, the appointed scripture reading in the synagogue was that an enemy shall come from faraway land and come like an eagle if you turn away from me. Wow. So that, what does that mean? So, oh, oh, I see. So that was, that was God's judgment for being a bad nation. Now, that case could be argued from a different biblical perspective, but not from this perspective. The Messianic rabbi continued, according to the paradigm of ancient Israel, it was 19 years between the first Babylon strike on Jerusalem that came in 605 and when the greater shakings came upon the land in 586, when Jerusalem was conquered, the temple was destroyed, the Jews were sent into exile. Likewise, yeah, in a modern parallel to the U.S. between the 9-11 attacks and the COVID-19 breakout? 19 years, baby! See what he did there? That's right. He twisted scripture, uses it as some sort of playbook to say this is that. The harbinger, um, here, here's the message. Don't see it. Music mix master, y'all, on Wretched Radio. 
So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org. This is our dear brother, Max, in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger, or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Jerome was a 4th century Christian theologian and one of the original four doctors of the church. His most important work was the Latin Vulgate, a translation of the scriptures from Hebrew and Greek into Latin, the vernacular of his day. The Vulgate remained the preeminent translation of the Bible for a millennium. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So maybe you're starting to think this isn't actually about Roe. Maybe it's about something more than that. Maybe it's about something much darker than that. Indeed it is. This is Wretched Radio. Tucker Carlson of Fox News, whose stock and trade typically is politics. He waded into the spiritual waters to deliver a monologue that identifies the real issue in this country. 
you are seeing a lot of outrage because of the leak of the hopefully correct Supreme Court decision about overturning Roe v. Wade as really bad legislation. The outrage is palpable and the anger is being directed at whom? That's instructive for us. If we don't understand who they're mad at, we're probably not going to understand what's really motivating their agenda. The left is not just mad at the Supreme Court. The left is mad at God. Take a look at what Democrats are doing in Congress right now if you want a sense of what their plans are. This is a real passage from a new abortion bill the Democrats are trying to get through the Congress, and we're quoting. This act is intended to protect all people with the capacity for pregnancy. Women. Cisgender women, transgender men, non-binary individuals, those who identify with a different gender, and others. Wokeism. So there it is. It's not really about codifying Roe, abortions for people who, quote, need them safe, legal, and rare. It's about something much bigger than that. It's about displacing God as the great decider. Boom. Uh, there it is. Who determines morality and values? Man's answer outside of God has always been me. We're going to decide it so we can live any old way that we want to. And it is a fist shake against God. And this is why you are seeing such odd alliances these days. There are only two teams. It's not capitalist versus communist. It's not Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. No, this is darkness versus light, period. Those are the two teams. And anybody who is outside of Christ is on the team of darkness and is willing to surrender their cherished values for the sake of unity on the team of darkness. For instance, feminists. Where's the outrage that a biological male is swimming in the pool competing with biological females? Well, they set their agenda down. Why? Because the greater good, the bigger cause is darkness. Democrats now reserve the right to rewrite biology, which is to say dominion over nature. Now they're in charge. Mm -hmm. So again, this isn't just about intimidating Supreme Court justices, five of them, into changing their views on Roe v. Wade. It's about attacking Christianity because Christianity stands in their way. MSNBC just comes out and says it. Watch. The Christian rights decades-long push to revoke abortion rights is just part of their broader agenda. Well, what else? What else do they want? What else is at stake? This is not just about abortion. Uh, this is about a much broader uh, set of issues uh, that are have, have that really are about a kind of white Christian right worldview. It's very important for us to recognize that it is Christian extremism that is at the root of the shame and the stigma that allows laws like this to pass, that allows justices like this to be uh, confirmed. Discovered that they could manufacture and then channel their moral outrage toward abortion, creating a new litmus test for conservative politicians. References to God and Christian beliefs are often invoked in these political instances, with some saying outright that they believe America is a Christian nation. Gasp, that's MSNBC. They are identifying the light. Here's the problem in our country. Unregenerate men and women want to live any way that they please. Who stands in their way of hopefully having a guilt-free conscience when they go about the business of sinning? It would be the Christ ones. They can't get their hands on Jesus, but they can get their hands on 
you. So they're mad not really just at Alito, but at Christianity and Christians, believers, people of faith. They have been for a long time, but it's weird if you think about it. Why are liberals angry at Christianity? You wouldn't think they would be. Christianity has been the single greatest force for human rights in history. In fact, the Western understanding of human rights, our understanding of human rights, all of us, atheists included, is based on Christianity. That's where it comes from. Christianity is the reason we don't have slavery and segregation and children working in factories. Christians did that. Well, unless you study that H word that Tucker used, you wouldn't know that. That's just history. Those are historical facts. It is Christian thinking that has formed much of Western civilization. But now, a lot of factors playing into this, obviously. The darkness, sensing their increasing power because of the weakening of the church, can't help but think about the seeker-sensitive movement and how it's contributed to the demise of the Christian church in America. They are trying to flex their muscle, and they are seeing that it is Christians that they must use their energy to stop. So if you're a sincere liberal, it would seem odd to hate Christians. But the totalitarians always do hate Christians. The Soviets killed the priests first. So did Mao. During the Spanish Civil War, the communists subjected a statue of Jesus to a symbolic execution in front of a firing squad. It was one of the first things they did within weeks of the war breaking out. Here's the picture on your screen. Shooting. It, by the way, it's a big statue of, of Jesus on top of a pillar, it seems. And there are people with their shotguns ready to blast away at the image of Jesus. Why? Because darkness hates the light. Jesus. It tells you everything. So modern liberals hate Christianity, not because it's repressive, but because they are. Any religion that puts God before government is by definition a threat to their power. Most offensive of all, Christianity specifically rejects their most cherished dogma, which is racial hierarchy. The Christian message is the opposite of the equity agenda. Christianity describes a universal brotherhood of man, every person created in God's image, and therefore, for that reason, morally equal. That's a little different than the ideology of Charles Darwin, who believed that there were favored species, more advanced races. The Bible says, no, 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 no. You're a human being. You're made in the image of God. You have equal value in the eyes of your maker. Charles Darwin would say, no, some are better than others. That is the ideology that is being battled, by the way, in the classroom when it comes to the subject of evolution. That is gravely disempowering for the left. If all people are morally equal, you can't really divide your population by skin color. You can't really set one group against another. You can't tell one group you're better than that group. You're worse than that group. That's not allowed. So in order to allow it, you have to erase Christianity. And they've been working on it for a long time. Ever notice how they call Martin Luther King doctor but not reverend? King was not a physician. He was a Christian preacher. They'd like you to forget that. Undermining Christianity is the central project of the left because it stands in their way. As dozens of churches burned across Canada last summer, the country's prime minister, Justin Trudeau, refused to condemn the firebombings. He called them, quote, understandable. 
<laughs> then the head of Canada's ACLU effectively endorsed the firebombings. Burn it all down, she wrote. And now we're seeing it happen here, as we knew it would. That was Tucker Carlson delivering a monologue that honestly nails so much of what is going on in our culture. Do not be deceived. The battle is between darkness and light, which raises the question, how then do we win the battle? How do we win the war that is raging in our society? If the teams are darkness, in other words, anti-Christ, and the Christ ones on the other team, how do you win the battle? Is it by redrawing district lines? Is it a get-out-the-vote campaign? which I'm perfectly fine with. Are those things going to cure America's ills? And I believe the answer is not even close because the actual illness is one of darkness versus light. That is the issue. And if that is the real battle, well, who better than Christians to engage in that spiritual battle? What is our message to the darkness? I think our message needs to sound more biblical than it currently does. When we talk about the life issue, as a Christian, it seems that we should be invoking God into the conversation. When it comes to marriage issues, God's name needs to be brought into the conversation. When you're talking about racial issues, God's name needs to be injected into the conversation from the side of light. Otherwise, we're sounding, well, like the way those people on MSNBC describe. That, that, I, th- I think that maybe captures it. All they seem to be hearing from us, and I know there are people who speak out biblically, but all they seem to be hearing is a political message or a judicial message. And those issues, they're not insignificant. But if we recognize the actual battle for the soul of America is about the souls of America. Then and only then will we engage as the light. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The news coming from Canada is usually controversial these days, especially when it involves the Prime Minister. Case in point, male prisoners now allowed to be transferred to women's prisons just as long as they promise they feel feminine. If a male prisoner says they identify as a female, then they're going to get loaded up and hauled to the women's facility, because that's the humane and safe thing to do. In 2017, Prime Minister Trudeau pledged that trans rights are human rights and his government would make sure to defend everyone's dignity. What about defending everyone's safety? An elementary school in British Columbia has sent fourth graders home with an assignment on touching their private parts. It also asks students to draw pictures of the places in their homes where they privately do this. Remind me why there's such an uproar on the parental rights and education bill in Florida. Because this is the very sick and twisted and demented thing it was designed to prevent. But not if you believe the fine journalists at Politico, which you shouldn't, but those trustworthy and honest checkers of facts assure us that teachers talking to your young children about sex and sexuality aren't groomers. No, they're not groomers at all. As a matter of fact, we should probably view them as heroes. Yeah, that's what they are. They're heroes. 
Up is down, down is purple, and left is bubblegum. That's the world we're living in at the moment. We don't have truth versus untruth. No, the world says truth is whatever you want it to be, unless, unless your truth is rooted in the Bible or morality or common sense, then in that case, you're just an intolerant, judgmental, racist bigot. And here's a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, but we're not done yet. Oh, no. We are responding to the whisper of our mother God. I'd like to pray for all of us. Heavenly Mother, how we thank you for this rich picture of who you are to us. Who God is to you is inconsequential. God is exactly who the Bible says he is. And this idol they're praising and worshiping is nothing more than a golden calf, which will send them straight to an eternity in hell. Well, if you haven't filled your Pride Month event calendar yet, you may want to check out the Pride Fest scheduled in Lake County, Illinois. Oh, and don't worry about finding childcare while you go to the Pride Fest. No, because a Pride Fest kitty corner, it's going to keep them groomer, ta- I mean, entertained with drag queen story time and drag queen kids dress up. Oh, and here's the best part that will warm your heart. The Pride Fest kitty corner is sponsored by the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services. Isn't that the entity you report child abuse to? So how does this work? Do they just report themselves or does somebody else need to do that? More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1611. The authorized or King James translation of the Bible in the English language is published. Fifty-four scholars worked for four years on the project. The King James Version became the Bible of choice in the English-speaking world for over 400 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. With a bit of a mixed bag. With holes in it. The institution that is the most important institution in the universe, the church that Jesus Christ is building. It also should remind us that building the church, more important than building a nation. By how much? Not a little, but a lot. Because Jesus Christ died to save a disparate group of sinners that he might be glorified forever as all skin colors, both genders. <laughs> you used to be able to say all genders. Now you just have to say both genders because I think we're up to 72. I'm not kidding. 72 genders. Jesus is going to be triumphant as he accomplishes what nobody else has been able to do, and that is bring peoples together who don't belong together, at least according to the world, male, female, rich, poor, slave, free. Jesus is the one who brings us all into a new identity, Christ ones, because he's building his church. And that's the most important institution on the planet. Let's see how it's doing, uh, shall we? Looks like 
a whole lot of pastors are thinking about quitting. And that may not be a bad thing. (laughs) There are two studies that just came out. Wow, people sure do a lot of surveys, don't they? And it looks like a lot of them are quitting because of the pressures of what's going on in our society. People are offering on all kinds of of reasons. They're citing stress and loneliness. This is from George Barna, but of course, he claims that data collected in surveys show the share of pastors who have given consideration, serious consideration, to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year went from 29 to 42% in March. Yikes! That is more than half, 56% who considered quitting full-time ministry in the last year because of the stress of the job, the COVID business, I feel lonely and I feel isolated. And so a lot of pastors are thinking about saying, bye-bye ministry, and frankly, that may not be a terrible thing. Another Barna survey, it's called the American Worldview Inventory 2022. More than a third, just a little more than a third, 37%, have a biblical worldview. And the majority of pastors, 62%, embrace a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. Oh, good. Did you catch that number? One third of pastors in this country actually have a biblical worldview. Polling isn't perfect, certainly, but there were eight categories, eight subjects, with a number of questions in each of the categories written by the Barna folks to determine, are these people who are in pulpits actually, do they possess an actual biblical worldview? And the answer is, the majority don't. And to them, I say, I hope you find a really high-paying job in the secular world. Because if you don't have a biblical worldview, you shouldn't be preaching the Bible. And yet, this little survey would also tell us and perhaps explain to us why is it that we are seeing so many kids lost? George Barna differentiated between senior pastors, associate pastors, and youth pastors. And the overwhelming majority of youth pastors, I think the number was 12%, possessed a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, 12%. Huh, I wonder why we're losing the kids. We've got youth pastors who, incidentally, are the ones perhaps, perhaps, arguably, the greatest spiritual responsibility in the church. I don't think that it's a sin that a young person is a youth pastor. Not what I'm saying, but I would at least ask this question. If indeed it's true that we are losing our kids at a radically faster rate than ever before in Christian history, about 80% of the kids just vamoose from the Christian faith because you've got these youth pastors, 12% of them have a biblical worldview. But if most of the people who get saved in Christendom are younger, wouldn't we want to put the most experienced person on that job? Wouldn't that task demand that instead of just finding somebody young who can buy some torn skinny jeans and order pizza efficiently for the youth group party, maybe just maybe we should be looking at the one who's actually mature, 
The trend in evangelical Christianity now for 40 years at least has been that the youth pastor is youthful so the kids can relate and identify. Otherwise, they won't come because if you're not cool, they're not going to come. And to that, I say, fine. If you're looking for cool, go, go use your cell phone to find cool. The church isn't about cool. The church is about Christ. And if we don't want to keep losing our kids, maybe, just maybe, we'll at least have the conversation. Are the people who are responsible for the souls of our children, you are too, mom and dad, primarily, but are they, as the overseers of our children's souls, qualified for the job? And according to George Barna, the answer is no, they're not. George Barna said, a person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13 then goes through a refinement during their teens and 20s. A church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and the youth pastor. Discovering that seven out of every eight of those pastors lack a biblical worldview helps to explain why so few people in the nation's youngest generations are developing a heart and mind for biblical principles and why our society seems to have run wild over the last decade in particular. Most pastors, unqualified. We might do well in our Bible-based churches to just put it on the table and ask, to whose care are we entrusting our children? More mixed bag church news. See, there's another. here's a pastor shortage. This denomination is 600 pastors short. That's the bad news. The good news is it's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, (laughs) which means fine by me, if you don't mind me saying so, that they're short on pastors in the ELCA. And speaking of not so great news, if you recall the United Methodist denomination, they're going through a battle right now. And of course, it's about all the gender business. And there are some people who are leaving. It is called the Global Methodist Church. This is from Christian Post, which is meant to be a conservative alternative to the UMC, was officially launched at the beginning of May. Now, the the UMC has just come out and said, you can't leave until we get through this gender business. Well, this group apparently already has, and they're calling themselves conservative, and perhaps for Methodists, they are more Methodist-like. However, I went to the website. It's a long one, which I appreciate. I I prefer more details on theology and polity than a lack of them. And they still would say that an elder can be a male or a female. So are they really that conservative? Uh, And speaking of are they really that conservative, this was super troubling. Hmm. Jen Hatmaker, well, she probably doesn't call herself conservative anymore, voices support for abortion and calls opposition to Roe v. Wade political theater. Same old, same old tropes. Jen Hatmaker still is somewhat popular in evangelical circles. She went riding off of the range, I think, 2016, when she decided to be okay with being gay. Yep, 2016, she affirmed same-sex marriage. Now, Commenting on the Roe v. Wade leak, Jen Hatmaker said it simply makes them more dangerous. 
One in four American women have had no abortion. So dangerous for your daughters, your sisters, best friends, colleagues, neighbors, church friends. As it, and, it, and for yourself, it will be disproportionately dangerous for women of color and under-resourced women, as all social ills are. So in other words, the opposition to Roe v. Wade is racist. By the way, I don't know if you heard this. The individual who is the CEO of BLM, she's in a little hot water for violating nonprofit laws, which state uh, you really can't be buying a $6 million house in Los Angeles with people's money, along with like four or five other houses. Her response, nonprofit laws are racist, which is funny because I did not know that we here at Wretched were being discriminated against because we have to adhere to the exact same laws. Are they onerous? Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> Six million dollar house in Los Angeles. Jen Hatmaker riding further and further off the range. This is Wretched Radio. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. What does a young lady experiencing a crisis pregnancy sound like? I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Everybody wanted me to have an abortion. Everybody wanted her to have an abortion, but she visited a pre-born life center, saw a free ultrasound of her baby. I'm going to keep my baby, and I'm going to be a great mom. 80% of the time, a woman in crisis sees an image of her child via a free ultrasound at a preborn center they choose life how many lives could you save per month the answer is double during the month of may preborn has received a generous gift of matching grants every dollar you give to preborn will be matched so $28 for an ultrasound will now provide two ultrasounds. How many lives could you save visit preborn.org/wretched Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org store. All of the resources that you'll find 
Amplified are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the Give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Books of the Bible Luke was a physician and companion of Paul who wrote an orderly account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He meticulously details names, places, and events. Luke shows great concern for people of every class, especially overlooked or undesirable people. We are all from various places and classes, but Jesus Christ is the Savior for all mankind. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Prepare to learn a new language. This is Wretched Radio. Words are where the war is regularly won, and we are seeing words being redefined reused, regurgitated. For instance, I saw an article, it was on NPR, about the term mama's boy. And a number of famous people, I guess, athletes saying, well, yeah, I'm a mama's boy because I love my mom. That's not what the word originally meant. It meant that you were kind of weak and your mother protected you so that you never skinned your knee. That's what it used to mean. But now they're using it as a badge. Yes, I'm a mama's boy because I actually love and respect my mother. Well, that's nice. You should. But that's not what the term originally meant. That's one example. It is happening constantly. And right now, in evangelical circles, I'm not sure how much traction this is gaining, but there's a new language that is being used to persuade evangelicals that politics is irrelevant. Now, As a principle and rule here at Wretched, we believe that politics is second, third, fourth, or seventh fiddle to the church and to spiritual issues. But that is not to suggest that political issues aren't important and that Christians don't desire to be engaged at some level in order to do good for people. But there is an increasing new language that is kind of tricky. And it seems kind of, yeah, right. What is this language? Well, it seems to be the you can vote for whoever you want to evangelical language. And I don't think that that's an accurate statement. I do not see how you can possibly vote for a party that works tirelessly to take the lives of millions of children. Uh, this is a genocide. This, this makes Stalin and Pol Pot and the whole terrorist gang seem like lightweights, what we are doing to our babies in this country. And it is in the realm of politics where we can have some influence to try to save the lives of children who are being dragged to the slaughter. Ugh. And yet... You've got people who are saying, well, don't agree with that anymore. Tim Keller tweeting about the Roe v. Wade decision. You're going to have to listen carefully for this because I'm telling you, this is a tricky new lingo. Here's what the Presbyterian said. 
If you ask evangelicals if we should be forbidden by law to worship any other God than the God of the Bible, they'd say no. We allow that terrible sin to be legal. But if you ask them if Americans should be forbidden by law to abort a baby, they'd say yes. Now, why make the first sin legal and never talk about the second sin and making it illegal? Well, isn't that interesting lingo? It's, it's, this is, I'm sure Jason Lyle would know the name of this, uh, bait and switch, <laughs> a, false anal- a, a false comparison that regarding in issues of personal faith as Christians, yeah, we recognize that's personal faith. We, we shouldn't be mandating that people worship God when they don't believe in him. That's why we don't press it in, in the legislation, because the spiritual issue is between an individual and God, not up to a government to say, do this, act like this. It's interesting. Speaking of being involved in politics, was listening to something on the YouTube machine it was uh, uh, the history of the fourth century of the Christian church, and it had to do with Constantine. And, of course, he made Christianity legal throughout the empire. Was that a good thing? Immediately when he died, he hadn't named a successor, so he had three sons. What did they do? They fought for political power, all the while saying that Christianity is the religion of the empire. And it was a dramatic collusion of church and state. And what were the effects? Well, we felt them all throughout the Middle Ages, didn't we? We felt them all throughout the Holy Roman Empire. So we want to be careful, yes, to state worshiping any other god is a sin. We want to do that. But we don't want to make it a legislative issue and mandate that the way that Constantine did. Do you hear the language that's being used from Tim Keller? It's one to say, hey, who you vote for isn't all that important, and we shouldn't divide over this. Here's what he wrote. The Bible tells us that idolatry, abortion, and ignoring the poor are all grievous sins. But it doesn't tell us exactly how we are to apply these norms to a pluralistic democracy. The author of this article, this is in Christian Post, rightly said, okay, Let's just swap out abortion for another moral issue, slavery. Let's read Mr. Keller's words with the word slavery, replacing abortion and murder. The Bible tells us that idolatry, slavery, and ignoring the poor are all grievous sins, but it doesn't tell us exactly how we're to apply these norms to a pluralistic democracy. <laughs> Well, you end it. That's what you do. You you get rid. You abolish it. That's how you deal with it. You stand opposed to it. And what Tim is going to try to do is introduce the argument: Hey, we aren't exactly sure which political ideology does a better job of limiting abortions. Um, how's about the one that says it's a crime, like we do with every other law? Would we do this with speeding, drunk driving? Well. We're not exactly sure how to deal with drunk driving, so it doesn't really matter what your opinion is about it or how you vote on the subject. You'd go, well, no, 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 no drunk driving. And the same thing should be true for abortion. He wrote this, I know abortion is a sin, but the Bible doesn't tell me the best political policy to decrease or end abortion in this country. 
nor which political or legal policies are most effective. Once again, might I take you to the replacement of abortion with slavery? I know slavery is a sin, but the Bible doesn't tell me the best political policy to decrease or end slavery in this country, nor which political or legal policies are most effective to end slavery. It seems pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? And that's because it is. Is voting a theological litmus test? No, it's not. It is a sin issue, however. To endorse somebody who says, I'm going to work hard to make sure that babies can continue to be killed in a small way, but nevertheless, in a way, you are endorsing an evil, wicked act. And we need to say so to people. What you're hearing with this new lingo, which sounds very clever, it sounds very thoughtful, is not biblical. He concluded by saying, we're allowed to debate that. And so our churches should not have disunity over debatable political differences. What's debatable? You're either for life or you're not. You're either for slavery or you aren't. Tim Keller writing further about his understanding of the political issues. He talks about doctrinal unity that this needs to be an issue that we just overlook and continue to have unity. Is that the case? Um, It depends on what the issue is. You've got the, let's use rape. You know, I'm going to vote for this candidate who, uh, who's for rape, but I think though, their other policies are going to help decrease rape. How's that playing? Anytime you hear something that causes you to go, what? you talking about, Willis? Replace the sin with another sin that apparently is more obvious. Tim Keller, I think, is blurring the lines of what actual unity is. The Lord hates hands that shed innocent blood. That seems pretty straightforward. To Timothy, Paul said, the Lord's servant must correct his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. The Lord's servant must correct his opponents. Does it need to be done gently? Of course it does. But correct, we must. And a pastor should be doing that correcting. And a pastor like Tim Keller He should know better. One last note on the life issue. I believe it was last week here on Wretched Radio. We discussed some companies. Jimmy, what were the companies that were paying people to go travel to get their abortion? Uh, Amazon, Microsoft. Well, it turns out Tesla is also doing the same thing. And it's not just for abortion. It's also so that you can have your body mutilated. The company touts the fact that it has provided transgender benefits aligned with the clinical protocol set forth by the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. That's been going on since 2018. Don't know if you're a big fan of Elon Musk, (laughs) which, by the way, it appears that his Twitter purchase maybe is changing a little bit considering how many bots they actually have on Twitter. Elon Musk, is he a conservative? Maybe politically, but socially, absolutely not. 
Until tomorrow, go serve your king.